Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. You know, at the outset and uh, keeping in mind our time, I wanted to uh, just uh, you know, look at that list of incredible artists that you've worked with over the years. And I, I mentioned so many of them like uh, uh, Sarita and uh, Thelma Houston and um, Leo Sayer. And uh, can you share with us maybe one or two of them that were particularly memorable for you and that you're especially proud of? Well, I'd have to go right to uh, Leo Sayer on this because Leo was the thing that brought me um, uh so I think the blessing. Uh, when I made the decision to walk away from the Sunshine Band, I literally was walking away from what some people estimate was something like $10 million sitting on the table there that people were arguing over which way it's going to go. You know, And walking into a totally unknown, what's going to happen to my career next mode? You know, what well, was the best move I ever made in my life? God blessed me to then run into Leo Sayer and go right back to the top of the chart. But the beauty of Leo Sayers tour was, he was rolling so hot with When I Need You and Make Me Feel Like Dancing and those things, that he had a private jet to fly around <laughs> We came from Nova Scotia to Miami. I never will forget this, the thing called Starflight or something, okay? And, uh, of course, I went back and saw my old friends at TK immediately. <laughs> Got the limo off the car, off the dark tarmac and said, uh, take me over to TK. I think I want to talk to Steve. <laughs> Let him know that everything worked out all right, <laughs> you know. But um, I remember that so well because it was like I was in another whole world of, of, of music. I mean, we literally landed... So we went from Nova Scotia to Miami. The custom people came to us, uh, literally came up on the plane, took all the passports from the attendant, looked in the plane, counted all the heads, stamped the stuff. The limos pulled up to the car, took the bags and stuff off, and we went driving off to um, uh, the, the hotel. And I said, what? I mean, you know, this is what these people get to do. Fine-tuned machine. <laughs> well, that was fabulous, you know. So that, that experience is just off the hook. And Leo was one of the most gentle, polite, respectful people you would ever want to run into. I never heard him say a harsh word to anybody at any time. This guy was so cool. 
And so business, I mean, when it came to performance, he was serious business and every single night. And every single night, it was a standing, roaring ovation. You know, we played, he opened for the uh, Beach Boys, a great big, huge racetrack, you know. Uh, and, and it was like, uh, to me, you know, it was the highlight of my uh, live performance uh, experience. Did, did any, any shows get booked with KC and Leo Sayer on the same bill? No. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> that would have been interesting. Uh, you know, I would have loved for that to have happened, you know. And then my other great experience was working with Mick Fleetwood. Mick Fleetwood and I had a band. I was in a band with Mick called the Mick Fleetwood Blue Whale Blues Band. Uh, and uh, Mick's another wonderful human being uh, to work for and work with in it. And uh, and then I, and so I played a, a, a live concert over here with Fleetwood Mac um, uh, once at the House of Blues, and then on this outside thing that the radio station put on, had a hundred thousand people sitting there. It just ran forever, you know. Um, and and that was quite an experience. So uh, those would be the two highlights of my uh, live performance experience, you know, in in the business <clears throat> so far. But. I've got something else coming for you all out there. Uh, I'm working on a project right now with um, a wonderful, talented, amazingly talented rock and roll uh, singer, writer, songwriter, player. Uh, her name is Eileen Arden. And I came uh, uh, upon her in a very strange circumstance because I play at the church from time to time when I'm in town. And that was a, a mutual friend there. That I went to, um, she wanted me to uh, help her with an opening she was doing. She's in the jewelry business. And she wanted me to have my group Gravity 180 come and play. Well, Gravity 180, you know, it's another whole story, but it's been around. It's done some things. It, was a, it had a big hit in Japan. And Gravity 180 was just going to be too expensive. I told her, I said, you know, I can't get them to come play. You know, I love a venue like this. She said, well, will you play with my friend? You know? But I said, okay, well, I'll do it, you know what I mean, because I don't want to be appearing to be snobbish about where I'm at or above anything. And I said, yeah, well, yeah, I'll play with your friend. Yeah, I'll come down and play. So I go over to rehearse what we're going to do at this lady's house, I mean. And those songs start rolling out, and that voice started coming. I said, she had this bass player with her, Derek Elliott. He is a monster player. Okay, and they just just it just merged into a thing, you know. I left our house and got on the phone to my wife, and I said, "Honey, you will not believe what I have run up on. I think this is going to be the next biggest thing on the planet if everything works out the way it can, because you have to make a great record once you find a great talent." So, I have been working with Niels since uh, he had his first big break. Uh, smooth jazz guitars and by the way we just ended up in the number one spot in smooth jazz this year on billboard with an album out called caught in the group congratulations since uh he had a song out called um uh, pacific coast highway and so i knew nils would be the perfect fit for this amazing artist and nils and i had talked about making a rock and roll record while we were in drumming together so I introduced Eileen to Niels and prayed over the fact that they would click. And it was like 
putting, uh, you know, peanut butter and jelly together. <laughs> you know, they, they just jammed up and made this fabulous record. I'm so proud of the project, people, that I'm actually, I've actually formed a record label called Electric Lady Records, just to promote this project. I think Ali Arden is going to be a thing that um, is going to shake up the edge. So, now, isn't it, is that a Hendrix issue with that name? Or? Oh, no. In fact, I thought it would be. You know, I put it out there with uh, Legal Zoom. They wouldn't search the thing out. And I said, oh, interesting. Uh, he said, yeah, you can have it. And I have now legally become the uh, proprietor of Electric Lady Records. <laughs> wow. And it's here to make sure that Eileen um, is going to be treated with the kind of respect I think all great artists should have been treated with and should be treated with, which is you just don't rip them off. You make sure no matter what happens, they get the most money <laughs> when it's all said and done. And that's what record companies have not done through the ages, and I think it's disgraceful. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making a profit and you're going to put some work in, everybody should get paid. But nobody should be making more money than the people that made the music, you know. And Absolutely. So yeah. What we're going to do. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's so, lovely Eileen on the screen. Um, hi, guys. Hey, baby. Hey. 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 Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Scott. Welcome to Truth and Rhythm. Thank you for having me. Hi, Oliver. Hey, sweetheart. Oliver C. Brown. <laughs> well, you've 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 been built up uh, quite a bit. So uh, you know, I heard uh, the Heaven and Hell, and uh, that's a great great song, great record. So uh, excited about what might follow. Yes, so are we. So I mean, you know, we have uh, we have visions. You know, a a logic take uh, a to a and b. You get with logic, but imagination takes you everywhere. So. Uh, that's where we're headed. We're headed everywhere with this. And um, I mean, what greater, greater person to have on my team than Oliver C. Brown? <laughs> yeah. Did you have to pinch yourself? Um, I think we both had to pinch ourselves a couple of <laughs> times. Yeah, we have a great, great uh, relationship. But yeah, I was stunned, you know, having that talent. Um, inside my home and you know just just getting to know him overall the, the talent is the bonus but really getting to know oliver and his integrity is just a gift that was sent to me so i'm just i'm very grateful for that and you know looking at a bit of your history uh you've you know opened up for a lot of notable artists over the, over the years and uh you know what are a couple of the biggest influences on on you and your music um Definitely, obviously, rock and roll, you know, classic rock, but uh, big influences have been artists such as Stevie Nicks, Tina Turner, um, gosh, Janis Joplin. Um, disco was a was really big in my house and I listen to Oliver all the time, he, you know, but that was a really big influence. And Prince is a huge influence. Um, just artists who are just out there but have that powerhouse. Um who else? Cher is a really big influence. I'm talking about oldies. You know, that's what I grew up with. But um, just the package all in one with the rock and the entertainment and the uh, the just the different, different um, variety that they bring to music. And uh, their message is a really big influence on me as well, depending on the artist, of course. 
And how is your vision or how do you think your trajectory is going to be affected by, uh, you know, your connection with Oliver? Oh, well, um, obviously it's going to be a big influence. You know, he knows, he definitely knows the business. Nothing goes past me without me confirming, uh, confirming it with Oliver, because I know he wants the best for me. And, um, and the best for me is also the best for him. Um, and I know he knows what he's doing and I know he knows talent. He's, as you know, he just finished telling us the talent that he's been working with that has worked with and his integrity, you know? So our message is, you know, my whole album is a message of love. It's, it's Martin Luther King day today. So it's, it's like a perfect way for me to bring in and say that, you know, I, my album is about love. I'd rather stick to love because, because hate is a burden on all of us. And that's what Martin Luther King said. So I know I have that with the team of people that are working with me that are on that same page. And Oliver is just um, everything wrapped in one. And uh, we want to touch the world with this, you know, and this message of coming together and really coming together this time. And how indicative is uh, Heaven and Hell of the sound of the whole record and, and the other uh, songs? Heaven and Hell really speaks for who I am as an artist. It's really true rock and roll. It's, there's, we got 13 songs on the album, and uh, Heaven and Hell is definitely your biggest rock sounding. We got a few of them that are like that, but I got some ballads that are really rock and roll ballads. Um, and Heaven and Hell, although it's the greatest song ever, it's not even my favorite one on the album. <laughs> There's so much more we're holding back. Um, but um, it's we're releasing that one and naming that the album Heaven and Hell because it really speaks true to who I am as an artist and my sound. How, how challenging has the pandemic period been for you? I mean, a person that, you know, loves getting out there and performing in front of people. Yeah, well, the only challenge that really that I've suffered through the pandemic, I would say is not be getting able, being able to do that live performance and getting that energy from people. That's been very, very tough, especially as an artist, you know, that's, we thrive on that. But I have to say that it got everybody pinned down and finished this album because the people that I work with are all professionals and all these professionals have their own studios. So we made it happen. You know, thank God I had the raw talent of sending what I had as far as, you know, the, uh, the acoustic version of everything. And then I have this brilliant producer and guitar player, Niels, who just created magic with all these other magical professional musicians. So the pandemic ironically helped me because <laughs> we got the album done. Yeah, that's what, you know, I, I looked at the pandemic as being, you know, some lemonade from the lemons in terms of, you know, musical creativity, because you can kind of woodshed, you know, and hopefully come out with something that is very creative and, and fresh and maybe something that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So you never know, you know? Yes, absolutely. In fact, one of my favorite songs um, that's on the album, which is the last song, it's, it's a really long song. It's, it's our, what is it all for? What do we call this? Our Hotel California, our Bohemian Rhapsody, our um, Stairway to Heaven length song. And it's the last song and it's called Serpentine. And I wrote that song uh, during the pandemic of just sitting alone, looking at my piano. And I wrote it like that. 
And then I went to sleep and in my head, I heard the intro. So I went back and I added another minute and a half, two minutes to the song of the intro. So the pandemic has stirred up a lot of creativity in many musicians and artists out there. So uh, when is the full record going to hit the streets and how can people get it and keep up with you? Well, in about a week, we'll be having a um, pre-order sale on my website for Heaven and Hell. The album is not going to be released until I release the single, which will be released after we finish Heaven and Hell's music video, which we're hoping to do within the next month or two. So clearly by spring, we're, the goal is to release the album. But in about a week, people can pre-order the album on my website. Fantastic. And what will success look like to both of you for this project? Oliver, you want to go first? Uh, absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, I would like to, uh, success to me would be um, a billion sales. Uh, that's what I, I, I know that, you know, what, what they say about everything, you know, it can't be done until it's done. And then... There it is. And we live in a time that the globe is now just your backyard, you know, and everybody on it can be reached. And I think, you know, although, you know, I have great respect for R&B, you know, it's like the core and the, and the sound that most everything derived from that's popular music, you know. But rock and roll is accepted and appreciate it all around the entire planet. So I think it's possible. And that's my goal. A billion sales. Five, no, you know. no, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> None taken. None taken. You know, success really to me would be, yeah, I'm all, I already feel successful. You know, I wake up, I'm alive. I'm here with both of you. I mean, I was successful living in an apartment doing having nobody because I became successful when I started to imagine and and dream. You know, nobody can rain on our parade and our dreams. And that's something Martin Luther King said, too. Look at what a coincidence. Mm -hmm. So I became successful when I started to imagine. So I am already successful now. There really is never a destination, but I would really love to hold five Grammys in my hand. Five. Right. five Grammys. Right. And I and I constantly visualize that end result. And I don't ask how, I just ask for the end result. And I'm just enjoying my life right now because I really believe I know what's coming. And I want to stay humble. I want to stay grounded. And I really want to send a message to everybody that, um, you know, the only piece, people or person that can hold you back from doing what you absolutely love is yourself, nobody else. Outstanding. So uh, why don't you give a website that people can uh, check out and, and get it when it's out? Sure. It's EileenArton.com. Eileen is spelled A-Y-L-I-N-E. Artin is A-R-T-I-N. Like I put the art in everything. So EileenArton.com. And in about a week, uh, we will have a, You can go there now, but in about a week, you'll be able to purchase the album, um, pre-order the album. Fantastic. We'll look for that. I wish you all the luck with it. And thank you for, for coming on and sharing that with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Did you want to give any more information about uh, Gravity 180 or Niels? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Gravity 180 is um, actually defined my style of play. You know, 
Uh, every percussionist has kind of a, a signature sound that they're doing. And mine, and most of them come from Latin-orientated uh, studies and, and work, and Afro-Cuban, you know, and some uh, come from just popular music and what have you. What happened to me was something I call a percussionist dream, you know. Um, Percussion is that sound, they call it the, in the studio, better known as the sweetening session. It's the thing that you add color and sound to what's already there. And, and that's what the art of playing percussion really is, to be able to blend into what is already there and enhance it some kind of way. Well, I ran into Clydeen and Harold, two amazingly talented people. Harold is this amazing songwriter, uh, singer, uh, wrote for all kinds of people like Bobby Womack. He was his, um, uh, shall I say, they were a writing team for 20-something years of, um, of uh, their relationship or more. And uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary, you name it, he's written songs for everybody. Snoop Dogg even done some of his stuff, you know. And then Clyde Ng is this amazing vocalist. I mean, uh, really amazing. Uh, could have done and do anything she wants to with a voice. In fact, we use her on every single record and everything that Niels is doing, somewhere in there, with Gladys on the scene. Plays keyboards, sings like an angel, and she's in the A-list of people that do all the movies out of Hollywood. All the movies, Avatar, um, uh, you, you name it, Toy Story, on and on and on. If you look up Gladys Jackson, it'll blow your mind, and this just goes forever. And so I ran into these two. Uh, they were, you know, doing a little weekend kind of fun thing at a, um, a little restaurant called the Tijuana Inn. And I um, um, was invited to come down there and play. Well, it was right at the time when I was out touring with Leo Sayre and in between that running around with Billy Preston and riding the limos and <laughs> kind of feeling like... <laughs> I'm not going to do anything that even looks like small stuff ever again. Of course, that's crazy. But when you're a kid, you think like that. So anyway, because <clears throat> um, this is years back when, when we hooked up. And so, but I knew Harold, who had invited me, you know, was an amazing songwriter and singer and player. And I said, um, well, I don't want to do nothing to, you know, offend him. I said, I won't come down and, and take a look at this thing. So I come down to the Tijuana Inn <laughs> and they break into one of their stellar original cuts and start playing and singing and Clotting's voice comes rolling across that room and just, it was just like, I melted, you know? And I said, goodness gracious, you know? And then one song after another, all originals written by them, you know? and. I went up to Harold when the set was over and said, Harold, look, I'll play with you guys. I don't care where it is. The backyard, basement, bathroom. <laughs> don't make no difference to me. Count me in. And this is, and it actually then formulated the style of play that I use today in everything I do. Because the place had an ordinance that said they won't allow drums to play in there. It would be too loud. So they had to have percussion. So they had a drummer working with them, but he was playing percussion. He was pretty good, you know, but he was once again, a drummer trying to play percussion and they are two different animals. Okay. And so <clears throat> he got a gig and had to leave. And that's why Harold wanted to ask me to come and do it. 
well, here I am with this, a, a band that we would have never tried to put together something like this on purpose. You know, here's Harold playing acoustic guitar. Claudine's fantastic. She can play the keyboard and the bass in with her left hand and very well, you know. And so we're getting by. Well, I want to give it a feeling like we at least have some drum element in it. So hence, I started crashing the cymbals with my hands, playing the timbales with brushes sometimes, uh, and various things like that to give the illusion of drums in the act. Well, the act developed in this way, in such a way that people just started coming and coming and coming. And we said, hmm, maybe we should take this into town to get, get real serious about it. So we came to At My Place, which is the most prominent nightclub at, during, that, during that time. Everybody was getting a record deal out there. I mean, Billy the, 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 In Santa Monica? In Santa Monica, right. I, I, used to, I used to live one block from there for many years. Oh, my goodness. They, 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 I'm surprised you didn't see Grant. 11th in California, uh, which was one block out from 11th in Wilshire, which is, yeah. Out. That is amazing. Right. Well, Gravity became a mainstay down there because, you know, Matt Kramer, who got his uh, chops, started from working at the Troubadour under Doug Westy, you know, years and years back in the 60s. Uh, and he was a man that really understood music very well and talent. So At My Place became that place where you play if you're kind of on that border of crossing over into the record deal and the rest of the stuff. So people, a bunch of people got record deals out there, including Gravity. We got a record deal with a company called Pony Canyon. You know, there were people in there like Carl Anderson and Paris uh, and um, Billy Vera and the Beaters and all these people were getting deals out of this place. Okay. And so <clears throat> Gravity became a mainstay of this club. We only worked the weekends, and when we would work, there would be a line wrapped around the block. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we did it with just that. No tracks, no drums, and no bass. Uh, it, you had to really be imaginative to be, create the songs and play the songs. And it changed me as a player. You know? So now... My whole performance is born out of that style of play I got from Gravity. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, that's quite a transformation and uh, sort of kind of an awakening to a different, you know, style and element. You know, right. um, I've I've had a lot of percussionists. I've been blessed to have a lot of percussionists on the show, and people like Bill Summers and uh, uh, Doc Gibbs, who we lost last year, and. Uh, James and Tume, who we just lost, but yeah. uh, you know, a lot of these guys. And I'm curious, you know, for you, Oliver, what would you say um, when you're playing in more of a uh, R&B or rock context is sort of part of your signature in how you approach percussion? Um, I would say um, I use real power play. Uh, when I'm playing, I know because I had to do that. Like I say, with gravity, I had to be the rhythm and the embellishment. You know, like the drummers back there really holding that down. So <clears throat> my thing is just driving, sort of. And also, I can play with some really delicate kind of play because once I started having to play at the church where you had to play really soft, I developed the soft side of my of my style of play. 
So I'm using a lot of things like sliding the drums across my, you know, my fingers across the drums and giving various little effects like that, the, the little delicate finger rolls and things that transcend into really driving rhythms. And that's really my style, you know. <clears throat> and I got a sense too, like, you know, you're sort of uh, willing to go there, if you will, you know, with something like you mentioned early on about how it was sort of unorthodox what you did with that's the way, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. I'm always willing to try and, and, and kind of, you know, stretch the, uh, the imagination in the envelope. Uh, you know, in fact, that's why rock and roll became a thing I wanted to play because that you didn't hear a lot of percussion in rock and roll. And I always felt it shouldn't be limited to just what we know of it, which is Afro-Cuban and Latin which I take nothing away from either one. In fact, I did the same thing everybody else did. Started there, listened to it, studied all the, the best players and tried to learn their licks and chops, you know. So, <clears throat> but once that was done, I always felt like percussion was being cheated in the, in the industry. You know, you play a piano on everything. So why can't we play this on everything? So I would sit down some time and put on Rock Maninoff and try to play to that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and have a lot of fun. Yeah. I guess when I think of uh, percussion and rock music, uh, what pops to mind from way back is something like sympathy from the devil, you know, right. was, I guess, sort of cutting edge at that time with percussion. Right. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to ask uh, guests, Oliver, to give me their top, if you could only listen to five albums for the rest of your existence or, or the five that were most influential on you. What might those five be? And, um, you know, sometimes people are challenged with that. So if you can only name the artist, that's fine, too. Mm. Uh, well, um, I think Obraxis with um, Santana, like I said, because he also demonstrated that very thing I'm talking about. You know, he took Latin into a whole other place that people felt it couldn't go. And that's why it went so well, <laughs> you know. Nobody would dare uh, be into that territory, and he did. It blew me away, too. Uh, so I would have to have Obraxis. Um, and then there's, of course, my absolute greatest inspiration. This is another whole tale. I don't know if we even have time to tell it, but Sly and the Family Stone was um, <clears throat> the, um, the, shall I say, the reason I'm in the business is the bottom line. They put on the best concert I've ever seen in my life back when they had out um, um, uh, I Want to Thank You uh, and um, um, I Want to Take You Higher and that stuff from that record. Uh, I forget the name of the album. It had the big flag on it, whatever it was. But anyway, oh, there's a riot, there's a riot going on. Uh, right, there's a riot going on. That's it, right. Sly and the Family Stone. You know, uh, I saw that concert and this is a true story. I can elaborate on it, but the bottom line was this, to this date, the best concert I've ever seen in my life because the three bands in front of it all got an encore. It was Own, Spirit, and Mount on that show. And each one of them came out and told up the audience at the, uh, uh, the Winterland Arena. And then Sly came on and made you forget they were up there. <laughs> I could not believe it. I left the, 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 um, the concert went back to my day gig and told them, I quit. I'm going to be a star. That's a true story. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it really did happen. I was that blown away. I said, I'd rather die than not find out what it feels like. 
to have that rush that they must have felt while this is taking place. And thank you, Father. I've had many moments that uh, let me know, yes, it was all worth it. You know, every time I go up there and get that, I think about that moment. So Sly and the Family Stone, it would be Santana. Uh, and believe it or not, um, it would be uh, Carol King with uh, Tapestry. Mm-hmm. You know, that was an amazing record in terms of the, the writing and, the, and once again, that simplicity of putting together that music in such a way that it appeals to everybody, you know. And um, so I would definitely have to put, put that in there. And let's see, so we got three. And um, wow, okay, oh, uh, George Howard, believe it or not. Uh, he had a record out, um, what was the name of that record, Chase? Uh, told me, right, it was one that I played at my wedding, anyway. <clears throat> Uh, he was a wonderful um, um, a saxophone player. Uh, in fact, I know if you listen to him closely, this is where Kenny G got his concept from. I mean, he was obviously, it, it's so much like George. It's like, okay, well, what, where did Kenny get this idea to make this music that appeals to both people that like jazz and people that don't understand jazz? You know, uh, Melodic jazz, yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of jazz people complain that he's not jazz enough, but a whole lot of jazz people listen to it and they get that pie type of thing from him, you know. So, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, he got his thing from this guy, George Howard. I'm certain, you know, who came before him. Uh, and then, of course, um, we can't get away from, um, oh my goodness. Uh, oh yes, absolutely. It have to be that Tina Turner record. Oh my goodness. Tina Turner made a record, but she put out that thing, um, um, What's Love Got to Do With It? Private Dancer, is that the name? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Private Dancer, to me, it had, once again, that element I'm always looking for, the outside of the box, but inside it just enough to make it a commercial success. You know, she kind of got a blend of rock and, and R&B, uh, that, well, you just don't hear it on a record. I mean, that thing, Track for track, of course, her voice is undeniable. I don't care what she's singing, you know. So it would be um, uh, definitely uh, Tina Turner and um, the album that, um, well, now this will really um, blow you away. But, and it's an album people don't know about, okay? But I play it through the year and always at Christmas. Johnny Mathers made an album called Good Night, Dear Lord. I recommend, it's a collector's item out there, but I recommend to everybody out there, just take a listen to this and talking about covering all the ground without offending anyone. <laughs> That's what it does. It's a spiritual album without uh, the, the hardcore dogma that any religion puts to you. Just beautifully sang track for track and Good Night, Dear Lord is an uh, amazing piece of work. He has a tune on there called One God, you know. Uh, and, uh, and when I listen to it, I think of like John Lennon, you know, where the world would be if we all could see that all of their gods are the same God. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of that kind of a song, you know. And so I'd have to have Good Night, Dear Lord on the list. 
Do you, do you have any idea about what year that one came out? That came out when I was, let's see, I had to be about 16 <laughs> then, so it had to be back in the early 60s or 59 or something like that. It's way back, okay. you know. It's the early in Johnny's uh, career, but it would be, uh, you know, the 62 or 59 or somewhere around there, you know. But um, it's amazing. And a lot of people don't know about it, but I guarantee you, any of you out there, if you play this record, you're going to keep playing. I like that. He came up with a ob somewhat obscure one. So mm -hmm. it was even before he had Chances Are and became a yeah, big thing. Exactly. In fact, it was, it was like, it, like Chances Are and those things had kind of just come on the scene, and I think he did this record as a tribute to his mother, who had been on his, you know, case about, you know, uh, well, you know, you're not, because she's a very religious person, you know, and and so he did it for her, that's what I heard, and, you know, the rumor has, but it's a masterpiece of work. I love it, we got, got some serious range in there, Oliver, in both the uh, release when, when they came out and the styles, so that's fantastic. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, I think that really speaks to the the broad range of your perspective and your musical palette. Well, that's why I think uh, we can do an amazing thing with this latest thing I'm now involved in with Eileen and Mills. I mean, her writing ability and her vocal ability will amaze you. In fact, on this record, uh, we think you won soon, heaven and hell. But you know how people make a record and then their next five records sound just like this one, kind of a rendition onto the theme, so to speak. Mm. This is a collection of, of 13 songs, every one of them different, and it all fits together because of the way the voice and her approach to music and Neil's production. It's amazing. Awesome. Every song is different, and every song is special. I appreciate you having her come on, introducing her to the Truth and Rhythm audience, and Oliver, do you have anything else, in the, uh, other irons in the fire besides uh, that? Or, Well, like I said, I'm busy, you know, a lot now with Bills because uh, we ended up at the top of the chart. In fact, we're going to be playing out here at um, uh, Spagatini's coming up here next week, I believe it is. I forget the date, but anyway, it's coming up shortly. I got it on my Facebook page and all that. Uh, uh, Neil's is kind of like my main stay in every way because, like myself, you know, uh, Niels plays every kind of music there is and produces all kinds of uh, various types. And we are both immersed in this latest project because I just think it's a, a once again a musical masterpiece. <laughs> where's, where's, where's he from originally? Niels is from Germany. Okay. And, um, and you know, when you talk to him because he had the real strong German accent, the whole thing to go with it, you know. <clears throat> and, um, but uh, he is absolutely a pleasure uh, and an amazing man, uh, uh, you know, to be with and, uh, and, and work with. And everybody that knows him loves him. And, hey, like I say, to know him is love. <laughs> well, he's, he's a great player. I mean, I got to listen to a little of him. I wasn't that familiar with him, to be honest. But, you know, I always have dug, you know, the George Bensons and the Earl Klugs and, you know, that kind of vibe and that kind of thing. And, and uh, Paul Jackson Jr. and all those guys. Right. So. He kind of is in that, from what I've heard, yeah. sort of in that in that mold. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. So. Well, uh, now if we're close to the sign-off point, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd like to. Uh, uh, I have a like I said from my book. Uh, I put out a quote every single day from the book on Facebook, and the quote for today 
was <clears throat> when you go to sleep at night, we all see black. as we are sleeping and resting to awaken refreshed in the morning. So it's obvious that black is beautiful. So I want you all to embrace it when you sleep and realize that we shouldn't be so horrible on Martin Luther King's day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and thank you for sharing everything, Oliver. It's been a pleasure and uh, wish you continued success and, and good fortune and all that stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you, my brother. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store, for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven results-oriented professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the one.